Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash I am divine 2022. Practical spirituality. Positive messages. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living in today's world. Here is your host, Dr. Laurel Trujillo. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, where we talk about yoga in all its depth and breadth as a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living today. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, co-host and producer of the show. This month, we are celebrating the legacy of Paramahansa Yogananda, as this month is the 75th anniversary of the publishing of his most widely read book, Autobiography of a Yogi. I am truly delighted to be joined today by Philip Goldberg. In fact, I I can't think of a better person to talk about this topic with than, than Phil. Phil's book, American Veda, documents how Indian spirituality changed the West. And his book, The Life of Yogananda, The Story of the Yogi Who Became the First Modern Guru, is a biography that sheds new light on the life of this great spiritual teacher. Phil Goldberg has been studying the world's spiritual traditions for more than 50 years. He's an illuminating and entertaining public speaker and workshop leader, meditation teacher, and an ordained interfaith minister. Phil's most recent book is uh, actually... I don't know if it is. Spiritual Practice for Crazy Times, is that? Oh, he says, yes, it is. The most uh, recent book. He contributes regularly to the Huffington Post, Elephant Journal, and Spirituality and Health magazine online. He also leads American Veda Tours of India. If you're listening in 2021, this show is being recorded at the beginning of December in 2021, Phil will be teaching a course on the autobiography of a yogi beginning in January of 2022. You can find out more details at the website hua.edu, and we will have a link directly to his course on our uh, website, theyogahour.com. You can find out more about Phil Goldberg himself at his and his other programs at his website, uh, www.spiritmatters.com and also philipgoldberg.com. And again, we will be posting the direct link to his Autobiography of a Yogi course on our website, theyogahour.com. So welcome, Phil Goldberg. I'm really glad to have you with me today on the show. It's great to be back and especially to honor this uh, anniversary. Yes. So before we dive into our dialogue about the legacy of Paramahansa Yogananda, let's begin with a yoga moment. Let's begin as we mean to go on. So let's start by bringing our attention to our bodies in space, whatever we're doing, whether we're sitting, walking, just standing, just 
paying attention to our bodies and in particular bringing our attention to the surfaces that support our weight. Where are our feet? How much of our weight is supported in a chair? And then turning our attention to the breath, wonderful tool for bringing our attention into the present moment. Let's notice as we take a fully conscious breath, notice the next inhale and exhale. On the next inhale, feeling the coolness of the air in the nostrils. And on the exhale, feeling the air that's now been warmed as it passes through our lungs. And just keeping our attention on the breath. Here's something to compliment, something to contemplate, a teaching from Paramahansa Yogananda. If a person told you, I am God, you would not feel they were speaking the truth. But we all may rightly say, God has become me. Of what other substance could we be made? God is the sole fabric of creation. Before God brought into manifestation the phenomenal worlds, nothing existed except God as spirit. From God's being was created all, the universe and the souls of all persons. From God's being was created all, the universe and the souls of all persons. Once again, welcome back to the Yoga Hour, Phil Goldberg. Great to be here. As I mentioned, we're here today to discuss the legacy of Paramahansa Yogananda and to celebrate the 75th anniversary of the publishing of his seminal book, The Autobiography of a Yogi. I recently read that one day while working on his autobiography, Paramahansa Yogananda quietly told those with him, when I have left this world, this book will change the lives of millions. And I believe it has. The book is widely acclaimed as a spiritual classic, and the influence of the autobiography of a yogi has continuously spread since its publication, inspiring and transforming the lives of readers worldwide. I know I have heard, and I believe you have heard many, many people uh, tell us how life-transforming this book has been for them. I wanted to mention George Harrison, the former Beatle, who wrote... (laughs) I keep stacks of autobiography of a yogi around the house and I give it out constantly to people. When people need, quote, regrooving, unquote, I say, read this because it cuts to the heart of every religion. Another little anecdote, Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple, arranged for the book to be given to all those attending his memorial service. So, Phil, When did you first encounter Autobiography of a Yogi, and what was the impact of the book in your own life? Uh, If we were video, Laurel, I would show you the copy I read in 1970, because I still have it. Uh, I was already uh, in the early stages of my own spiritual path, and it was um, given to me, or I should say I borrowed it from somebody I can't remember, (laughs) I can't remember who, uh, 
But, um, you know, I was reading everything about uh, Indian philosophy uh, that I could get my hands on in those days. And then this came along. It was I discovered uh, one of the most uh, uh, borrowed and uh, given uh, gifted books in uh, the circles I traveled in, you know, the counterculture seekers of that era of the 60s. And um, I read it and I still have that $5 hardcover and I never returned it to whoever I borrowed it from. And I'm I'm paying off that karma by uh, speaking about the book publicly now. <laughs> That's but um, and and you know I, I never became uh, a disciple of Yogananda's or a student. Um, he was just he was one of the many teachers I learned from. Uh, but I had my own path already. Uh, but it 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 had a big impact on me, uh, nevertheless, as it has, as you already said, for millions of people. And that that uh, prophecy of his certainly turned out to be true. Uh, uh, when I was researching American Veda, I interviewed hundreds of people. And when I asked about how they first got interested in yoga, meditation, uh, uh, the teachings that came to us from India, if they mentioned a book, it was far and away uh, the most often mentioned mm -hmm. book. Mm -hmm. And um, and to this day, when I mention it to people, uh, or when people hear I wrote a biography of Yogananda, they, they say, oh, yeah, I read the autobiography of a yogi, and it got me started on my spiritual path. And and the majority of those people did not become devotees or, you know, direct disciples of Yogananda or become part of a Yogananda lineage. They found their own paths. But that's one of the great gifts of the book. You know, it, it was um, it influenced people uh, from a great variety of spiritual paths and traditions. I know, you know, d devout Jews and Christians who learned a lot from autobiography and uh, and, it you know, it awakened a thirst a seeking in, in many people who just happened upon it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's interesting to think back because I also encountered it in the 70s and uh, it eventually led me to the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, which is the uh, group that sponsors this show, the Yoga Hour. And we are in a lineage, the Yogananda lineage. So uh, Yogacharya O'Brien's uh, teacher, Roy Jean Davis, was a direct disciple of, yes. uh, of Yogananda, meaning that he studied directly with Yogananda when Yogananda was alive. So that was a very, very uh, real connection for all of us. Yes. You mentioned the research that you did for the biography that you wrote, well, for American Veda and the biography that you wrote. So what else did you learn about this book, about Autobiography of a Yogi, in your research? I think that would be so interesting to find out. Yeah, because obviously Yogananda himself didn't write about what it was like to write Autobiography of a Yogi. But um, so in the context of his life, you know, he spent the first half of the time he, he lived in America, you know, he came here in 1920 and passed in 1952. And uh, most of that time, with the exception of a year uh, or a year and a half, uh, he was in America and he traveled much of the first half of that period. 
you know, going around the country, uh, giving talks, setting up lectures and stuff. And then toward the uh, uh, end of the 1930s, he decided, you know, it was time to uh, settle down more and concentrate on the future legacy. And that meant, among other things, writing a lot. And so he spent a great deal of time writing with the knowledge that after he passes, the written legacy would continue his mission. And as well as, you know, securing his centers and training people and all that. Um, and so uh, he had uh, <laughs> one of the things I learned was that uh, it wasn't easy to get the book published. It, you know, it, in the, it was wartime. By the time it was ready to be submitted to publishers, the, you know, people had different priorities. The publishing companies were probably uh, didn't think a, a book as uh, unusual and esoteric as this would necessarily sell. And they they went through a, a number of revisions. Yogananda, with the staff of uh, people who would uh, edit and um, transcribe his spoken words and his handwritten words and type them, and and uh, his primary editor, who was a disciple named Laurie Pratt, um, they worked and revived it many times. And um, finally, after the war in 1946, a publishing company called Philosophical Library uh, published it. And so among the many things I learned was, you know, it wasn't an easy task. Uh, I, I also learned that uh, uh, I, I have the book contract. <laughs> <laughs> so I know. And... It, and um, you know, I could tell you the date it was signed and the initial printing, which was 7,000 copies, and the initial wow. retail price was $3.50. I can tell you he got no advance. <laughs> 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 and that, um, uh, you know, I could tell you the terms of the contract and all that, but that's th those are incidental, interesting facts. The the amount of effort that went into the book, the changes that were made were were even more interesting. But then the impact of the book and the reviews of the book, you know, I was shocked uh, when I read uh, the reviews that came out at the time of publication and including some major uh, major publications like Time magazine. Um, it was treated with more respect and uh, written about more knowledgeably than I would have predicted for 1946. Because, mm -hmm. you know, I, I remember the 60s and 70s when things like, you know, it, gurus and meditation and India, you know, were treated not with... Not, not always with great respect and and with a lot of uh, ignorance. So I was surprised that you know in that era, the reviewers uh, were were not only uh, respectful but you know pretty knowledgeable. Mm -hmm. And um, of course, you know I didn't see every review that was written, and I'm sure there were scathing ones, or and it was probably ignored by you know, a great number of publications. But the reviews I came upon were were fairly uh, complimentary, and you know they they 
they, they were, you know, they were critical as well uh, about the style and, you know, different things. But um, I was surprised. And then the impact, um, you could see, you know, the organization Yogananda started, Self-Realization Fellowship, uh, you know, I could see um, in their publications uh, the growth that uh, came about after the book was published and got distributed uh, internationally. You, you know, centers would open up in different places and the number of people taking their programs grew. So even during his lifetime, he, um, he saw the effect of the book and then uh, made some revisions for a second edition uh, before he passed and added a chapter. Um, you know, so there's a lot of little things to be said, uh, but those are some of them. <laughs> yeah, nice. When I when we were chatting for a moment before this show began, you were saying that that there was a little bit more to the story with George Harrison. I yeah. gave the quote about how he kept stacks of the book around the house, giving it out to people who needed regrooving. Like yes. that. <laughs> so what what other story is there? About well, you know, George I, Harrison? I did a lot of research uh, about the Beatles uh, and their connection to India for American Veda and, you know, I've given talks. In fact, we did a program at uh, CSE mm -hmm. on Beatles with a live band uh, a number of years ago. Um, and because and that's their story uh, and their impact on uh, the spread of uh, knowledge about Indian philosophy and especially about meditation was tremendous. Uh, you know, they famously went to India in 1968 to be with uh, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. Um, but George was the prime catalyst in that. And, uh, you know, it started when he discovered the sitar and then became a student of the great Ravi Shankar. And the, Ravi Shankar took him to India where he was going to, you know, study sitar. And somebody gave him two books that changed his life. He was already a seeker, mm. you know, uh, there's, you know, it's not like everything came as a shock. He was already a seeker, but uh, this was, you know, mainly a music venture. And, um, but someone gave him a copy of Swami Vivekananda's book, Raja Yoga, and someone gave him a copy, the same person gave him autobiography of a yogi. And he would, he wrote and spoke often about how those two books turned him around and changed mm. his understanding of uh, religion and, and uh, spirituality and uh, really catalyzed the seeking uh, in a, uh, so he became a much more earnest and de dedicated seeker, which led him to meditation, which then, uh, you know, and brought along his, his, uh, his mates and uh, they brought their friends and next, you know, the whole counterculture exploded with interest mm -hmm. in meditation when they all took it up. But George was the catalyst for that. Mm -hmm. And and the autobiography of Yogi was one of the things that uh, that really inspired his search. And, um, you know, when he would come to L.A. later in life, he would 
He was also a Hare Krishna devotee, a, a TM practitioner, and a, you know, so he he spread himself around to some of the centers in L.A. But right. you know, he would be there uh, quite visibly at those places. Yeah. While we're on the subject of the Beatles, I did want to mention that it always tickles me when I see the cover of the Sgt. Um, uh, Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Um, album cover because of course at that time it was an album you know a vinyl album so it's a big cover and all these faces and in the crowd there are Yogananda and then the other gurus of the Kriya yeah. Yoga lineage you know uh, Lahiri Mahasaya and, and uh, Sri Yukteswar etc so how, do you know more about how that, that was, came yeah, out? Yeah that was, that was George um, <laughs> yeah. because um, you know that album with the iconic uh, cover Came and and li listeners, <laughs> if you're too uh, young to remember album covers being a, a, a serious art form, um, uh, Google Sgt. Pepper uh, Lonely Hearts Club Band album cover, and you'll see what we're talking about. There are uh, iconic figures uh, from culture, cultural figures, you know, portrayed on the cover, including, you know, the Yogananda and his lineage. And the, all the, the Beatles all had votes. They all, you know, could pick whoever they wanted on there. So, you know, Mae West is on there and Bob Dylan is on there and, uh, <laughs> you know, you know, musicians and boxers and movie stars and all, you know, all kind of people, uh, politicians. And, uh, those, those four uh, gurus and um that was george's uh, contribution <laughs> that's really cool when um you think about uh, well reflecting back on your book and as i mentioned you have the two books that are so relevant to what we're talking about today american veda how indian spirituality changed the west and then your biography of yogananda the life of yogananda um would you give a summary of the influence you think Yogananda had on bringing the teachings of yoga to the West? Well, um, if it's hard to to you know calculate the impact that uh, each of the many gurus and swamis and yoga masters who, who came to the West had, but it's. Uh, if Yogananda was not the most influential, he was certainly in the top three. <laughs> and um, and because, you know, there were some people just had a huge impact on on the culture. And 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 it's you could argue that he, his was the biggest and primarily because of the endurance. You know, now almost 70. What is it? 70 years after his passing mm -hmm. um in march it will be 70 years that's right and um he uh the autobiography endures and the and the uh, institutions he established and the sort of other institutions that were established by direct disciples of his like cse which you mentioned and ananda uh, they um, they endure, mm -hmm. and they endure because, in large part, because of autobiography of a yogi. It's sort of the calling card of you know for people who might be interested in uh, Indian spiritual teachings 
and meditation and different forms of you know uh, practice um, and uh, communities to to which they can uh, become involved and so th that is it's incalculable really but when when people say he affected millions of lives it, it's quite literal I mean the, no one knows how many copies of autobiography of a yogi have been sold over the decades but uh you know 75 years a long time mm -hmm. uh, and records are hard to to keep you know manage but it does sell thousands of copies a year it's still mm -hmm. out there i okay. still run into people who just are discovering it for the first time because they saw it on a bookshelf or in a, a yoga studio or someone's house and um so it it endures and 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 there are many reasons for its longevity uh, and one of them is uh, it's you know in, in mixed in with all the other things the stories of his life the stories of the m many other people he writes about and uh mixed in with it all is a kind of uh primer on yoga philosophy Mm -hmm. And the and and the promise uh, that these teachings uh, bring, mm -hmm. and uh, or, or or offer, and and so uh, it's not just you know people read memoirs, people read autobiographies, and they 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 learn something about the, the a, 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 an interesting person or an unusual person, uh, and they learn something about history. But in this case, they also learn mm -hmm. uh, useful knowledge that can, you know, really change people's lives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And there is so much that is there that he that he includes, which we hopefully will dig into a little bit more in the uh, second part of the show. Um, my favorite part i'm going to give you a chance in a bit to tell your favorite story but my favorite story in the book is uh the story of his meeting with uh his teacher with his guru um sri yukteswar because it's such a, a joyful meeting when they first uh find each other in the market there and and uh um uh, I don't have it in front of me to read the passage, but uh, Yukteswar says something like, oh, my own, you have come to me. Uh, and they had appeared in each other's, you know, visions for, you know, a period of time. Anyway, more to come about that. This is the Yoga Hour. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo. My guest is Phil Goldberg, author of Spiritual Practice for Crazy Times, American Veda and the Life of Yogananda, among other books and articles, as well as the host of Spirit Matters podcast. We're discussing the life and legacy of Paramahansa Yogananda on this 75th anniversary of the publishing of his book, Autobiography of a Yogi. Phil will be teaching a course on Autobiography of a Yogi beginning in January of 2022. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us at theyogahour.com. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. 
Each prayer and meditation on Positive Prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open Positive Prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. Insights and practices for spiritually conscious living. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, host and producer of the show, and I'm here today with Phil Goldberg, who just held up for me <laughs> the, the cardcover book of uh, Autobiography of a, yoga, uh, of a Yogi that he mentioned in the first segment. Um, Phil's books are American Veda and also The Life of Yogananda, and we are here celebrating the 75th anniversary of the publishing of Paramahansa Yogananda's most famous book, Autobiography of a Yogi. I also wanted to mention that there are several previous programs with Phil Goldberg in our archives, and a link to those programs will be put on our website at theyogahour.com when we post this program in the next day or so. Phil, we were just chatting um, during the break about how amazed I was to learn how big of a crowd Yogananda would draw in the 1920s and 1930s. He's going across the country. He does have an advanced team that goes into a, a town, a city, uh, but he fills these huge auditoriums with, with people um, as part of his uh, taking his show on the road. And before he ended up opening the, um, the center in Los Angeles, I believe before mm -hmm. that, you know, before that had happened. So can you comment more about that? Why do you think people were so open and willing to come and listen to in the 1920s, this, what must've been quite a rarity, a, you know, an Indian um, spiritual teacher in orange robes. <laughs> Well, there's a lot to unpack in that question. <laughs> one, of, one is um, we don't want people to get the impression it was always that way. When Yogananda first came, he came. The, uh, the catalyst for coming in 1920, I mean, he always knew he was destined to come to the West. Uh, it had been predicted. He, he had, his own guru had essentially trained him for that and you know, told him that, that was his destiny. But when he came, he came to speak at a conference in Boston, a kind of interfaith con uh, conference, and, um, and then was invited to speak at someone's church. And then someone said, you know, I'll get, gather my uh, spiritually or minded friends and you could speak in my living room. So, it, you know, it starts small. It starts with, you know, a handful of people and then some of them become enthusiastic and they say, we'll help you. And here's how to attract Americans to come and let's advertise and we'll rent a hall. And, you know, and the next thing you know, you know, a few years later, he's filling, you know, Symphony Hall in Boston and, you know, Carnegie Hall in New York and things spread. Uh, on that cross-country tour, 
know, which, you know, there were no interstate highway systems back then. You know, right. it was it was the very early days of road travel and in automobiles and, you know, gas stations opening up on the sides of roads and, you know, two lane highways, uh, you know, must have been wonderful, you know, actually. But um, and he loved the landscape of America. But at a certain point, Denver being the first of those stops, uh, it, when you say advanced team, that's a, a bit of an exaggeration. It was one guy mm. who, you know, would go ahead and get a place and uh, and advertise and do some promotion, and then he he would speak. And the and the pattern established early, you know, in his in the years he was first here in Boston was to give a free public lecture mm. and, you know, on uh, as a kind of introductory talk. And the free part of it was probably, you know, an appealing you know, reason why you know, more people might show up at, just out of curiosity and then follow it up with trainings, you know, uh, that people, you know, courses and where practices were taught and and you know people paid for those uh uh and uh for, you know a certain percentage of the people from the lecture would go to those and that's how it was and by the time so he did it in denver he did it in uh in the uh west coast and then worked his way down to la and when he got to la the event that advanced guy had done a, a tremendous job because they got prominent citizens to, uh, in, you know, endorse this uh, yogi coming, yogi who had achieved a certain amount of fame on the East Coast and is now coming to Los Angeles. And they rented the Philharmonic Hall, which seats 3,000 people, and 6,000 showed up. Uh, wow. And that, that's not apocryphal. I saw the Los Angeles Times coverage of the event, mm. you know, and um, so... Now, but to back up a little bit, uh, one of the reasons that a certain number of uh, significant number of Americans were drawn to these teachings is, you know, a certain amount of groundwork had been laid mm -hmm. by uh, Swami Vivekananda, who came here and established the Vedanta Society. And so uh, there were Swamis in the some of the bigger cities on a kind of low key. Um, and by then, um, uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson and the New Thought Movement had had mm -hmm. an impact on American spiritual seekers who would have been eager to hear an emissary from, you know, the land of the yogis and, you know, of, uh, you know, the, 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 the homeland of where Buddha came from, because mm -hmm. they, they would have known enough. They would have been primed enough by theosophy and new thought and things like that. Mm -hmm. But there were always Americans who were open-minded seekers. And if somebody had something to offer, something that could illuminate their lives, help their, you know, their personal growth, give them some insight into reality, they were going to listen to it. And it didn't matter where the person was coming from or what religion or, or non-religion they represented. They, you know, Americans were pragmatic, oriented towards self-improvement. But there were always other Americans who were uh, closed-minded, and we, you know, just we see it in today's news. That's two mm -hmm. kinds of Americans, and and saw him as a threat, 
saw him as uh, doing the devil's work, spoke out against him. And, uh, you know, prior to him, the other teachers who came here and after him, the teachers who came in the 60s and 70s, they were all denounced by especially conservative uh, Christians who uh, so, you know, thought they were uh, preaching false religion and leading people astray and all that craziness, while other people were saying, oh, let's go see the yogi. Mm -hmm. Let's mm -hmm. hear what he has to say. Mm -hmm. And um, those two things were always, uh, the, the, the welcoming Americans, you know, made Yogananda and the other teachers uh, what they became, you know, mm -hmm. hugely influential. Mm -hmm. Where, but they also had to uh, deal with the backlash and the and the uh, you know the the uh, opponents mm -hmm. and the people trying to tear them down. And there was a lot of that in Yogananda's life. He doesn't write about it. In autobiography of a yogi, it's, it's kind of one of the thing. One of the reasons I I wrote my biography of him was realizing how much he left out of right. autobiography of a yogi, and you know because he he didn't want to focus on the struggles he had, but they were significant. Right. <laughs> he had to deal with a lot of stuff. Yeah. Now that you mention that, one of the things that you say in the, uh, I think the introduction to your book is that you don't want to cover the same ground as auto, as what's covered in Autobiography of a Yogi, because obviously you encourage people to read that. And if they yeah. haven't, you think they should. Yes, <laughs> so they should. why why do you say that people should read the Autobiography of a Yogi if they haven't yet? Uh, it's for... <laughs> There's so many reasons. And, you know, when I've interviewed people and people talk to me about it, there's there are several things that stand out. It, it, they don't all like it for the same reasons. There's, there's always different things, but it always has an impact on their lives. Some people just love the stories of the uh, the, the the yoga masters and the uh, siddhas, the 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 the. the, the unusual yogis and the miracles and, and feats of higher consciousness uh, that you know, are featured in the autobiography and take up a good deal of space in autobiography of yogi. And some people just love that stuff and can't get enough of it. Uh, and other people don't like that at all. They don't believe those miracles. They think Yogananda was duped. Uh, you know, they don't think those, you know, they don't, those things don't seem rational to them, mm -hmm. but they like other things about the book. And they, you know, it, maybe it's what they learn about Indian philosophy and yoga. Maybe it's, you know, the insight into uh, India at uh, that certain time of, his, uh, of, of history, you know, when uh, Yogananda was a boy in the last few years of the uh, 19th century and then the early 20th century, you know, India was not what it is today. And it was, you know, the heart of the British Empire. And, uh, you know, uh, in, in people were subjects of, of, of British colonial uh, rule. And, uh, you know, it was a different you know, different kind of culture. So, but people get a little insight into India and its history and the charm of it. Uh, I know, and I'm one of them. I was like, oh, I want to go there. Mm. You know, um, 
and especially in, there's a chapter in the book where he talks about going to Kashmir, where he'd always wanted to go and never could get there. And he finally goes there. And I said, one day I want to go to Kashmir. And now Kashmir's, <laughs> I still haven't gone. <laughs> I go to India often, but I still haven't gone to Kashmir. But it, yeah. it, it lit a spark, uh, you know, in, that kind of spark in, in people. And mm -hmm. people say, you know, look, if, if uh, somebody can, uh, if, if yogis can achieve these, heights of consciousness and uh, levels of fulfillment and, and joy and happiness, then I, even if I can't attain what, you know, these enlightened beings have, I, I want some more of that in my life. Mm -hmm. And so it, it's a, a catalyst in many ways for people to take, uh, set foot on a, or, you know, take a different turn on, on their life's journey. And so, you know, I, I tell often tell people that, you know, it's it's a it's a worthwhile book, even if you just like a good yarn, you know, <laughs> right. uh, because, you know, it, it's not it's not an ordinary memoir. It's not like a life story from, you know, beginning, middle and end. It, it's interesting. He writes about other people more than he writes about himself. Mm -hmm. And but they're interesting people. His, you know, it's a chapter on his time, you know, spent with Mahatma Gandhi mm -hmm. and with Rabindranath Tagore. These are giants of you know, hist world history, not just Indian history. Mm -hmm. And and all these, you know, interesting yogis and swamis and people like that. But there's also warm family stuff and, um, you know, ups and downs and tragedies. Uh so there is enough of a of a, a good life story, mm -hmm. and, a, and a remarkable one, and mm -hmm. an interesting one. So so people like it for different reasons. Mm -hmm. And when I go back into it, as I, you know, you mentioned thankfully a uh, thank you, the course I'm teaching where we're going to dig into the autobiography over uh, ten weeks, ten sessions. Um, I'm, so I started reading it yet again, and right. I, 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 there I was on page one, and I said, oh, look at that. I hadn't noticed that before. Right. And um, real, oh, yeah, this is a book, the chapter's about his early, it's called My Early Years or something like that. And the first thing he does is talk about meeting his guru, which didn't happen for like almost 20 years later. Right. And, and the, the history of gurus and disciples. And then, you know, he, he talks about certain other things, then gets into his family. And I said, look at that. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. I hadn't noticed that before. So mm -hmm. there you go. So what is a memorable story in the book, in Autobiography of a Yogi, for you? What What is one that just, uh, you know, intrigued you or surprised you or, or uh, meant something to you uh, when you were reading it? You know... Um, there are so many interests, and I, I have to confess, I conflate what's in Autobiography of a Yogi and what I discovered on my own uh, yeah. research that's not in Autobiography, because there's so many anecdotes and interesting tales. I'll tell you one that stood out and, and stands out for a lot of people. You mentioned the chapter where he meets his Guru, Sri Yukteswar. And I learned a lot. I learned more about that uh, uh, episode when I was researching 
my biography of his. And because I have spent time in Varanasi, where it was then called Benares, where they met, um, I had a feel for the location. Um, so that, you know, stood out for me too. And I'll tell you one thing about that encounter, because you, mm -hmm. you sure. said that you, Teswar said, you know, where have you been? I've been waiting for you sort of thing. If you've been to India and you, you know people who go to India in search of, you know, enlightenment and meeting gurus, there are there are guru figures who will say that. They'll say, oh, you're finally here. <laughs> I've been waiting for you. And it's a known tactic among, you know, charlatan figures oh, no. <laughs> and impression, impressionable Westerners will believe it. Right. And so I had to mention that, you know, little piece of things in my biography. But by all indications, I have no reason to doubt that, uh, you know, Shrew Teswar really meant it right. and, and that it was a real thing in, in that case. But the 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 other time, um, there's a, other encounters with Sri Uteswar in the book, and one of the sad ones, and I, I go into this more in my biography because this footage and stuff, is when he goes, when Yogananda went back to India for a year, the only okay. time, the only time after he left in 1920 that he was able to get back to his homeland, and he missed it. Um, but during that year, Sri Yukteswar dies. Right. That was memorable to me, that mm -hmm. Yogananda felt terrible that he couldn't get to there before the, the guru passed. He, no, they spent time together, but then he was away and Sri Yukteswar uh, died and Yogananda was not present. But then mm -hmm. he was he was there during the ceremonies and all that. And there, there's footage of that people can see. But the other encounter was after Sri Yukteswar dies, when he comes back to him mm -hmm. in a very famous chapter uh, that people, you know, either greet with great wonder and awe or say, oh, come on. <laughs> that, that I don't believe that he he really came back to him in in this right. hotel hotel room in Benares and had a conversation. I'm Yogananda must have imagined that, and you know it must have been real to him. But I don't. You know, but there, you know, he says he came back in a recognizable form and talked to him mm -hmm. about the world's encountered after death of the body mm -hmm. and it goes into tremendously uh, detailed uh, descriptions of the different layers uh, levels of reality and embodiment that uh, occur or that are uh, uh, possible or that exist presumably Mm -hmm. in other realms, lokas, as they're called. And um, that is mind-blowing. Mm -hmm. And it jibes with the descriptions of those realms, those astral realms that, you know, uh, were, were of subtle bodies and, and non-physical, what we think of as material and physical. It jibes with the, you know, 
descriptions of those in Indian in the Vedic literature. So some people will say, oh, Yogananda just, you know, he made up that story just so he could talk about, you know, the, 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 the way those things are laid out in Indian philosophy. And other people will say he must have been delusional. And other people say, no, why not? Why wouldn't mm -hmm. that? My, maybe that did happen. People have had visitations from the departed, uh, whether it's in the mind or, you know, in some what seems to be an embodied form. Um, so that is memorable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, <laughs> uh, and there, you know, and then on the less spectacular are memorable encounters. Like I remember the one of, I, cause I had read Rabindranath Tagore's liter, you know, poetry and, and stuff. So the, you know, the descriptions of young Yogananda meeting the great Rabindranath Tagore, those, you know, were interesting and his meeting with Gandhi fascinated mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And his meeting with Ramana Maharshi, the great mm. you know, yogi. And I was able to just find out in the Ramana Maharshi ashram uh, archives some uh, additional information about that, his visit mm. that he doesn't talk about. Mm. So there's a lot. Yes, but. there is a lot. One of the things I wanted to uh, ask you about, what a, um, the uh, dedication of the book dedication mm. of autobiography of a, of a yogi because it kind of surprised me so it's dedicated to the renowned botanist luther burbank yes. who lived who lived in santa rosa california um which is surprising when you think about how devoted yogananda was to his guru sri yukteswar he met babaji i mean it's just so interesting that out of everybody he dedicates it to luther burbank and one of I our know. i just want to mention one of our assistant producers um who's a minister at csc lives in santa rosa has gone to the um, burbank uh place where yogananda met with him and and anyway did, did a little pilgrimage of her own there um, so what do you know about that friendship and why do you think Yogananda dedicated this important book to I, Luther Burbank? I wish I could ask him because I've had <laughs> I've wondered the same thing, not only his gurus, but, you know, his family. He was mm -hmm. very close to his father. His, you know, he lost his mother at age 11 and he was, you know, he, he loved her so much. You know, you there's so many people he could have devoted, you know, dedicated the book to. Um, and he has a chapter on Burbank. Uh, for some reason, Luther Burbank was, you know, really impressed him, mm -hmm. and um, and he felt very close to him, and uh, was uh, very, very deeply uh, sad and mournful when uh, he heard that uh, Luther Burbank passed, and and that was fairly early on in Yogananda's time in America, mm -hmm. but for some reason he uh, just felt a great bond with mm -hmm. him mm -hmm. and um yeah and i i i i can't explain it but mm. <laughs> there it there it is um yeah in the last minute and a half or so in closing what words of encouragement or inspiration would you like to leave with our listeners well one of the things i've said a lot since i wrote that uh, the life of yogananda was in many ways, you know, he's he's an unusual character. You know, he was a renunciate. You know, he was a monk. He didn't have a, a family, he didn't have children, and all that. But he um, he's a role model for all of us spiritual seekers 
in that he his spiritual life was the highest priority that's what he lived that's what he taught mm-hmm. but he did not uh downplay the importance of our duties and responsibilities in the world mm-hmm. and even though he was a renunciate and even though he longed at times to just go back to india and live in a cave or a hut or a little ashram and you know give up all this responsibility mm-hmm. he took his work very seriously he had the people around him work very seriously he took world affairs very seriously and you know he he was here trying to make his uh, fulfill his mission during the de- the depression years and and world war 2 he struggled a lot he had opposition he had to deal with you know all kinds of obstacles but he persevered so he he was a man in the world but not of it in the, mm-hmm. in that sense and in that way um i think there's much to be learned for mm-hmm. each of us mm-hmm. in his example mm-hmm. really lovely and with that we've come to the end of the show this is dr laurel trujillo you've been listening to the yoga hour it's been my pleasure to share this time with you My guest has been Phil Goldberg, and you can find out more about Phil at his website, spiritmatters.com. Can I correct you, Laurel? Sure. It's spiritmatterstalk.com. Oh, oh, thank you. Spiritmatterstalk.com. And we'll make sure that that gets corrected on our website. And philipgoldberg.com, Philip with one L, P-H-I-L-I-P, goldberg.com. Um, you can find out more uh, and links to his program that's coming up on the Autobiography of Yogi course on our website, theyogahour.com. We hope you join us for the many online programs offered by the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, including uh, morning meditation from 6.30 to 7.30 a.m. and weekday meditation from 4 to 4.30. We also offer uh, Sunday satsang and that is at 10 to 11 each week. Uh, Yogacharya O'Brien on Sunday, December 12th, 2021, she'll be offering a satsang entitled Yogananda's Soul Pilgrimage to Mastery. So once more, another Yogananda-themed event. You can learn more about these online programs at csecenter.org or ellengraceobrien.com. Thank you so much, Phil, for joining me today on the show. Great to be back with you, Laurel. Hmm. Next time on the Yoga Hour, Yogacharya O'Brien will join me to discuss divine pilgrimage, and in particular, the themes of pilgrimage that are in the autobiography of the yogi. The Yoga Hour is a service project of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a meditation center in the Kriya Yoga tradition. You can find out more about us at theyogahour.com. I look forward to being with you again. Until then, remember, you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all you meet. Bye now. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash I am divine 2022. 